Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Hey, we're doing a series through the book of Ephesians, and the series in Him. We're focusing on relationship in Jesus Christ and how we come to God through Christ for salvation and we are blessed through him. So today we're going to be in Ephesians 4 and we'll get there in just a minute. Um, but I want to start by talking about something profoundly theological. This is really big, difficult theological concept, okay? It's called Family meals, family meals. I don't know why I pick tacos, you know, but family meals. Uh, Kathy and I usually have a meal together every day and uh, at least one of the meals during the day, most often dinner, sometimes lunch. And uh, sometimes I miss the crazy loud dinners we used to have when all our kids were at home. And I, but I also love the quiet conversations that we can have when we're not interrupted while we're talking with each other, and that's a blessing. Some families don't seem to enjoy meals together. They may sit in proximity to each other, but they're not together. If you can see this picture, you'll see four people at one table, and none of them are looking at each other. They're all looking at their own cell phone. Uh, They're texting, they're looking, they're reading. Now, occasionally, Kathy and I will do that, but it's only when sharing something with each other. We, we had the guys that helped provide the system down here, uh, and they're working out some kinks with it, and, you know, technology does what technology wants to do. It's like your car. You're going to go out and get in your car, you're going to turn on the key, and most of the time, it'll fire right up. But if it doesn't today, it's not my fault, it's Ivan's fault. Okay? <laughs> Just... <laughs> All right. So family dinner, and sometimes Kathy and I will talk to each other about, hey, let me read you something from my phone or see this, but, but you need to be connected, and some families never do. They're, they're each in their own world. They're sitting a foot or two apart, but their minds are miles apart. So here's how family dinner is supposed to be. We're supposed to be talking and sharing and laughing and telling stories about the difficulties and the blessings from your day. Uh, I read about one family, they call it the peach and the pit. And every dinner they tell about the peach, that's something good, a blessing from their day. And the pit, something that went wrong, a difficulty in their day. And they said it encourages their kids to realize you have difficulties, but you get beyond them and you have blessings in the midst of them. So uh, they talk about the fun and enjoyable moments and the obviously not so fun and enjoyable pit moments. But shared family dinner conversations are the number one predictor of whether or not your kids end up on drugs or in jail or living on the streets. It actually shows up statistically as more important than church attendance, or going to Sunday school, or being in Awana, having family dinner bonds the kids together. And conversational meal times, I like to call it togetherliness. 
togetherliness. So we should practice togetherliness at home and at church. And that's what we're looking at in Ephesians 4 today. In the church, we are a family of believers called the body of Christ. And we're connected and integrated as we love our world and serve Christ together. And there should be a togetherliness. Now, don't go find your old dictionary and dust it off and look for this word. You won't find it. This is in the special TG dictionary. Okay? But togetherliness, we're getting together. We're connecting together. We're not just in the same general area. We're in the same space spiritually and emotionally. How many of you have ever been in a crowded restaurant where people you didn't know ended up sitting right beside you eating? Anybody experienced that? Yeah. Anybody who's traveled a lot has experienced that at some point. Airport uh, restaurants are notorious for uh, you're at a table and other people come up, can I share the table? You know? and, and I've done that as well. You're not together. You're sitting at the same table, but you're not enjoying the meal together. And unless you are an extreme extrovert and you long for moments like that and they bring great joy to your life, for the normal people, you don't have that connection with people instantly. Now, Ephesians 4 is going to talk about how we connect to each other and how God brought us into a family. And we're just starting into this chapter. We're just going to do the first few verses. But I want you to look with me. And, and we're going to walk through this kind of a verse at a time. So Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Okay, pause right there. I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling for which you were called. Uh, did you know the church is, uh, the name ecclesia means a called out assembly? That's what the word church means. A called out assembly, a called out community of believers. That's who we are. That's what we do. And so uh, I, you know, in our calling, we have a holy calling. Now, when we talk about calling, like a pastor, I believe, is called to pastoral ministry. Pete Rice is an evangelist, and he is called to evangelistic ministries. Our wives were called to ministry, and they serve alongside us and help and labor with us and, and, and help to organize and feed us, which is a great <laughs> blessing. And, uh, but th th this calling is the calling that everybody has. Everybody has. So um, not everybody is called into pastoral ministry. Not everybody's called to be an evangelist. In fact, I would not like to do the evangelistic ministry that Pete Rice does, and he would not like to do the pastoral ministry that I do uh, because God wired us differently to do different things for his honor and his glory. But every believer is called with a holy calling. In that holy calling, we are called to salvation. In John 6, Jesus said, you cannot get saved unless the Father's drawing you. Uh, the Father's calling you to salvation. And 
so I grew up in church. I heard thousands of messages before I trusted Christ. But I never felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I needed to get saved now. And earlier this year, Cody shared that testimony he had, that, that he grew up around the church and knew a lot of Bible verses, but he had never personally trusted Christ as his Savior till or January this year, right, at work, February. In February this year, he trusted the Lord, and he was just recently baptized as a testimony of that. Uh, and you respond when God is calling you, and, and you respond to that, and you trust Jesus Christ. So if you are a believer, then you have been called to salvation, but you're also called to be saints, called to be saints. Now, some churches use the word saint in a very unbiblical way. In the Bible, what does a saint refer to? Believers, believers men and women and boys and girls who have trusted Jesus Christ as their savior, then they are called to be saints. That's part of this holy calling that we have. And then we are called to serve the Lord together. Now, I have uh, been in Mexico with Pete on a crusade of his, serving there with him and helping. And, and then I have been in Cuba with Pete, serving there. And do you remember that uh, there was a youth camp that Pete and I did. My sister and I organized a youth retreat for several days, and Pete and I were the two speakers at that retreat, and, and we saw kids saved. In fact, one of the girls who was already saved, her life was, she was making some really bad choices, and now she and her husband are missionaries in Mexico, faithfully serving the Lord. And her life turned around at that retreat that Pete and I were speaking at. Uh, and so we serve the Lord together. That's what some of our people in our church who are doing tonight in Awana and this Thursday night in Awana. They're serving the Lord together. That's what we're supposed to do as believers. It's part of our holy calling to salvation, to be saints, to serve the Lord together. All right? Look back at verse number one. Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now, this doesn't mean I have to be worthy of my pastoral ministry. It means we, it's plural. We have to walk in a worthy manner so that the person who's evaluating your behavior, your activity, your ministry, your service is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. So you walk in a way that would please him. That's what he wants us to do. Verse 1 ends with called, with which you were called, and then verse 2, with all lowliness. Now, verse 1 says what you need to do, walk worthy. Verse 2, with all lowliness, this is the how you're going to do it. And gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. So uh, I call this our humble graciousness, our humble graciousness, uh, lowliness. You're not exalting yourself. And one of the things I do, do love about the missionaries that we support and the evangelists that we support, none of them think they are God's answer to all the world's problems. They feel grateful that God has called them to this ministry and they're working hard to serve him. 
That's what I love about the people who teach in our Bible classes on Sunday morning and, and who teach in our Awana ministry on Thursday nights. Uh, they're joyful that they get the opportunity to serve God. A humility. Now, the Greeks despised humility, much like politicians today. <laughs> they don't want to be humble. I got uh, an email. I don't know where I got on the email list, but I get emails from our senators. Any of you guys get those emails from the two Arizona senators? And, you know, I mean, the United States Senate, in fact, the entire federal government would have fallen apart if those two people hadn't been there to save the day. And, you know, I bet there's 49 other states with 98 other senators saying the same thing to their constituents. God wants his believers to have a humbleness. To not say, look at me, look at me, I'm so great. Jesus is lucky to have me on his side. No, what he wants us to do is say, look at Jesus. Look at him. He's the savior of the world. I'm his servant. You look at how the apostles wrote about themselves in scripture. Even the ones who were the half-brother of Jesus called themselves servants and slaves for Jesus. They didn't exalt themselves. So humility is very important. Believers are called to promote Jesus, not themselves, and to serve others. So, and then he, he expounds upon that uh, lowliness and gentleness. Have you ever talked to a used car salesman who was really pushy? Really? Yeah. Really pushy, pushy, pushy. That's the way some people are about salvation. Pushy, pushy, pushy. You need to get saved. You know, they'll walk up to you in a restaurant, walk up to people in a restaurant, and, you know, if you don't trust Jesus right now, you're going to hell. Well, gentleness invites people. See, they can't get saved unless the Father's drawing them. So if you push them, dominate them into saying a prayer they haven't trusted Christ they've said a prayer so you'll go away there's a difference you need to be gracious and gentle and then what's the last thing that he says there lowliness and gentleness and then with what long suffering bearing with one another in love Long-suffering, such a wonderful world word, it just explains long-suffering, right? This is over time. Uh, this is, uh, and then bearing with one another. Uh, look, if you agree on everything, you don't have to bear with one another. You know? I mean, some of you folks are married, and in your marriage... You have disputes that show up sometimes, daily maybe, uh, and you have things you disagree on. But you also have a lot of things you agree on, you know? Like, hey, let's go, and then the other, oh, that sounds great. All right, well, if it doesn't sound great to you, what do you do? Well, you bear with one another. You either go because it sounds great to them or you talk them into doing something else that sounds greater to you. But you bear with one another. Long-suffering, bearing with one another does not show up when you both want exactly the same thing. So 
Understand this, all right? We are a called out community to follow Christ. And in our calling, he has said, you're going to disagree about some things. And here's how you handle it. You be humble. You be gracious. You be gentle. You put up with the other people you disagree with. Now, we don't have them, but I've heard of churches that do, and I've actually been in churches that did, have fights in the church business meetings. Screaming, yelling, even throwing things at each other in the church business meeting. And God said, that's not allowed in my family. It can't be that way. So you need to learn to get along with people who don't agree with you 100%. And you know, it doesn't bother me when people don't agree with me. In heaven, they will. No, but the truth is... I mean, the truth is, I'm okay if I annoy some people. I mean, I'd rather not annoy them, but if I do, if they feel that way, I'm okay with that. There's days when I annoy me. You know, some days I don't even get along with me. So why would I expect everybody else to get along with me? We put up with one another. That's what we do. Now, I could ask you to share testimonies of uh, people in our group who've had somebody who had to put up with them, but we won't do that, okay? Let's look at verse number three. And then he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring to keep that. This is our heavenly unity. Our heavenly unity. There are a lot of Christians who promote a non-spiritual unity. Okay? A non-spiritual unity means we just accept Anybody who says they love God, that's good enough. And we don't worry about what the Bible actually teaches. That's not how it's explained in Scripture. In fact, 2 Thessalonians 3 says you have to separate from a brother who is walking disorderly. So if one of our teachers, and we did experience this actually twice uh, we've experienced this in our church history where somebody was teaching something that the majority of the church, the, the core leadership of the church, uh, in, in the way our church is set up, the pastor and deacons are the ones who define the doctrines of the church. And so, and they were teaching something that was not consistent with what our church articles of faith says. And so those teachers had to be stopped from teaching because that's what we're supposed to do. We separate from those who are walking disorderly. Now, unity of the spirit requires both parties to be seeking the spirit, both parties to be walking worthy of our calling, as verse one says. So we can experience unity and godly peace when we walk in harmony, showing God's grace and humility to one another. We can disagree about certain practical things, but we cannot disagree about Bible truths that are clearly revealed in Scripture. So uh, when people want to join the church, we want them to 
read through our articles of faith and, and join with us. And Paul was talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, and they came from radically different backgrounds. And so they were going to have some disputes. How, what's the best way to handle this, you know? And the Jews had this storehouse of religious music they had used their whole lives. And the Gentiles didn't have any of that, and maybe they didn't like some of that. They had to put up with one another. And so we have to do that. We are a called out community. Secondly, we are a committed community. Look at verse four. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope. So uh, we have one body we are the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Together, collectively, we are the church. The church is the body of Jesus Christ. One spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit. And you and I are both following the Holy Spirit. And when we are both following the Holy Spirit, there should be an, a, a semblance of agreement. We might not agree about everything. All right, just, just a quick, quick quiz. John, what's your favorite book of the Bible? Uh, Proverbs. Proverbs. Ben? Tim? Dude, we have three deacons, and they don't even agree on which book of the Bible is the best. <laughs> Pray for our church, Pete. Pray for us. <laughs> you know what? That's fine. Because uh, the books that really speak it, Kathy and I have laughed, I absolutely love the book of Ecclesiastes. I think it's fantastic. And Kathy doesn't enjoy it so much. She thinks it's the weird ramblings of a crazy old guy. Maybe that's why I like it so much. I don't know. Uh, but, but we have different things that really speak into our lives. But we have this overall agreement. You look at what things are going on in our church and our, our deacons are in agreement. We want to do this and this and this and we have overall agreement and we have one body and one spirit. The Holy Spirit's leading us and then we have one hope. We are all saved by grace through faith in Christ. We are all followers of Jesus. We are all on our way to heaven. We're going to live with him together forever. You know, Annette, it might scare you a little bit. You and I might be neighbors in heaven. Yeah? <laughs> we, 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 we will all live together in heaven. And we'll all get along just fine then. Some folks we don't get along with quite as well. In fact, uh, there are some people that I'd be fine if I didn't see them again till heaven. Uh, but in heaven, we'll get along just great. We won't have disputes. We won't have disagreements. We have one body, one spirit, one hope. Look at verse 5. He continues this theme. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Lord. There's only one Lord God. We are a covenant community connected through Jesus Christ. One Lord. And there's no other Lords. 
Now, there are people and churches, and they say they have this person who represents Jesus on earth, and he's the, the one. And different churches, Greek Orthodox, Catholic, other churches, they have this one person who is the one who represents Christ on earth. You know what the Apostle Paul taught? Every believer represents Christ on earth. We all do. Some of us don't represent him very well, but we all represent him. We are believer priest. We are connected through one Lord. There's only one Lord. So if anybody asks you, who is the Lord of Victory Baptist Church? The answer is real simple. Jesus, nobody else. He's the one Lord we all submit to. One faith. There's only one way of salvation. In chapter 2, he spelled it out. We are saved by grace through faith. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Acts, uh, or, uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Paul spells that out for us. We get saved by trusting and believing Jesus Christ and receiving the gift of salvation. One faith. And then one baptism. Now, in the scripture, baptism is required for believers as a testimony of their salvation. Jesus taught that. In Matthew 28, he commanded his church to immerse or baptize believers after salvation as a testimony of their transformation in their heart and life and to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so it's a testimony of what Jesus did Dying for you, being buried, and coming up out of the grave. So you stand in the baptistry, you say, he died for me. You go under the water. Uh, he died for me. Uh, he was buried. He paid the penalty for my sins. He was buried, and he rose from the dead. But you're also, in Romans 6, 4, being raised to walk in newness of life. There's only one baptism. And so certain people have said, well, we'd like to join your church, but we were sprinkled as a baby and we want that to be good enough. And we say, well, we want to do the example taught in scripture where they went down into the water and they were baptized. And in the scripture, it shows up after salvation. And so that's what we want to focus on as a church. We're not devaluing the spiritual heritage. My grandparents on one side of my family were from not Baptist at all, never had been, and never were to their dying day. They were never in uh, members of a Baptist church. They loved the Lord. They loved me. They left a spiritual heritage in my life. I greatly appreciate them. But we're going to focus on trying to follow the scripture. There's one baptism. Now, the whole point of baptism is a testimony of identifying with Christ after salvation. And so that's what we do. Now, these churches also talk about the Trinity, just like Jesus did, baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and so look in verse 4. He says there's one Spirit. And in verse 5, uh, he says there's one Lord. And now look in verse 6. There's one God. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. See, we are a connected ministry. There's one God who connects us to each other. We all have the same heavenly Father. Now, some of you, we all had kind of different dads, right? We, we had 
dads that were quite different. My father-in-law, Kathy's dad, and my father were radically different personalities. Her dad is calm and quiet almost all the time. I have known Ed now for 50 years, and I've only heard him raise his voice once, and that was at me when I was in junior high. He was our junior high director. Never heard him raise his voice any other time. And my dad, I heard him raise his voice like three or four times an hour. That's just how it was in my house. He was loud and he was rowdy. And so when our kids were growing up, they loved to tell grandpa stories. And mom would tell a story about grandpa and the other kids would say, which grandpa? And then they'd laugh hysterically because they were so radically different. But they both had the exact same heavenly father. We're united in God. And so my earthly dad is nowhere near like some of your earthly dads were. My dad was really hard on his boys, harsh, uh, a little more loving to his two daughters, but pretty hard on the four boys. And, it, and he admitted that uh, and apologized for that when we were all adults. Uh, but it, it was done, you know, uh, it was over. I was so eager to leave my house uh, that I signed up for the Marine Corps as soon as I got out of high school so I could live somewhere else. And um, my, one of my brothers moved out on his 18th birthday. Uh, Mom was planning a party for him. He said, not going to be here. I'm moving out. He moved out on his birthday. Um, but we have a Heavenly Father. And you know what? Our Heavenly Father loved my dad just as he much as he loved Kathy's dad. And he loves all of us. One God. He is above all. See, we are responding to him. We are reaching up to him. Uh, we're not, you know, the pinnacle. We are not the penultimate. We are reaching up to God. He is the one above all. You know who else he's above? Not just those of us who are believers. He's above the atheists. There, were, there have been famous atheists that have died in the last 10 years. And they would figuratively shake their fist and deny God. Unfortunately, they don't deny God anymore. Because the Bible says they realize the error of their way. The Bible, Jesus even tells the story about a rich man who died... And in hell, he woke up being in torments. In the middle of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells this story. And, and he begged and he pleaded for somebody to go and talk to his brothers to save them from this place. This man became a believer in God and even started praying for other people on earth. And if people don't receive Christ they end up in hell. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's God's plan. So God is above all, and the only way to get to him, to connect to him, is through Jesus Christ. And then he says, he is through all. 
He is above all. He is through all. Uh, when you trust and follow Jesus Christ, then God can work through you. You've probably heard me mention that a few hundred times over the years, right? He works on us, in us, through us, with us, and for us. He is working through us. He, he c- comes and, and uh, it's written in the scripture, let to work out your own salvation, it starts on the inside, and then you work it out all through you. God is at work all through who you are and what you do. And then he's in all. The Holy Spirit of God is living inside you when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. He comes and lives within you. So we are a connected community. We are connected with God, and we should be connected with each other. Every person in this room who has trusted Jesus Christ is your brother or sister in Christ. They are. You're going to live together forever in heaven. And if on earth you guys don't like the same food at all, then go to a restaurant that gives options where they can get something they like and you could get something you like. Uh, And don't fight over what's better. I really don't even like the smell of some of the foods that Kathy likes. And she doesn't like the smell of some of the foods that I like. And that's okay. We we work together because we're connected in the family of God. One Lord. I you know, I was invited to participate in in a church uh, assembly of pastors group when I pastored in Saurita down in Green Valley they had a gathering of pastors and they they invited me to come and participate and I said I would love to participate on one condition uh, that every pastor would say there is one faith one Lord, one faith one God fully committed to trusting and trusting Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. This was a pastor's group and they wouldn't make the members say Jesus is the only way of salvation because there were two or three pastors in that group who taught you had to earn your salvation. To be honest with you, it's a great moneymaker for the church. You want to get to heaven, you give lots of money to this church and I'll pray you in. By the way, that's not going to work. If you're listening in line, please don't listen to just that part, okay? Uh, That's not true. If you want to get to heaven, you have to trust Jesus Christ. If he's blessed you with a lot of money, then use a lot of money to bless other people. We have needs here at our church. Pete and Annette have needs in their ministry. Our other missionaries have needs in theirs. You can bless people through the work of God. God brought us together through Christ and he wants us to be connected not only to himself, but also to each other. He's through all and in all, he wants us working together. God wants to see our togetherliness as we love and serve him together. So before you leave this building today, I want you to make sure of two things, okay? First of all, make sure that you know Jesus Christ is your savior. Have you received the gift of salvation? If you have not done that, then do it today. 
before you leave. Talk to somebody. Anybody who's been up here on the platform today can show you from Scripture how to be saved. And then the second thing I want you to do before you leave here today, connect with at least one other person and build or strengthen your togetherness in Christ, your togetherliness. Now, it, ideally, it'd be somebody you don't know all that well. I put Theodore on the spot yesterday. I said, hey, do you know those guys? He was talking to a couple guys, you know, and he was being friendly. And I said, do you know who they are? And he said, no, I don't. I said, well, introduce yourself. <laughs> and he did. And you know, he said, wow, you just put me on the spot there. You know, uh, I, I started to say I didn't mean to put him on the spot. The truth is, I did. But I meant for him to think it was great. You know? So I didn't mess up. He did. No. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> so the truth is that he did. He, he met them, and now he knows their names, right? So he's going to go up to them today and call them by name. You know what? We are connected to each other in Christ, and we should let it show. By the way we follow the Lord together, we agree on the major doctrines of the Bible. It's okay if you disagree on which book speaks best into your life. Kathy and I, and other, I, I mean, we've had thousands of verses memorized in our family and in our church over the 25 years that we've been here. And it always astounds me how some people say, this is one of my favorite verses. And it's a verse that's like, oh yeah, that's in the Bible. I remember reading that but it doesn't speak to me the way it does to them. And that's okay. The Spirit is working in us through His Word. Now, you don't need to love their cats, okay? It's okay. It's okay if I don't love your cats. We have some cat people in the congregation this morning. The truth is, I love cats. I'm just particular. I only like tigers. Any other cats I don't like. And for some reason, the city won't let me have a pet tiger, and neither will Kathy, so, so we don't deal with that. But you don't need to love their cats. You don't need to love their cars. You don't even need to love their kids. You might need to pretend that you do, but you don't really even need to love their kids. What you need to do is love Jesus enough to show his love to the brothers and sisters that God brought into your spiritual family. That's what we need to do. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would be a people who live out these commands in Scripture. Not because it's always fun, but because it's always right. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.